0: Hello, Thoughts. So your girl Laura here decided to try and wear socks to bed. It's something I'm testing out. My grandmother always made it look comfortable. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and give it a whirl. My youngest daughter is getting those razor-sharp eye teeth coming in. And, uh, you know, I have to get up out of bed a lot in the middle of the night. Never mind the fact that I pretty much don't sleep on my own anyway. So, just like walking around the house at night, you know? And I decided it might be the time to check out that feeling. So I'll report back, but as of now, it's 50-50. You know, some nights it's like, okay, this feels good. You know, there's no cold feet as I'm walking around the house at night. I'm already prepared for stepping out of bed with nice toasty toes and other nights I'm like, get these fuckers off me right now! You gotta peel them off right away. So yeah, that's that's what's going on there. I was watching Hot Ones with Sean Evans on YouTube. Uh, I I think that show is that little. Well, do you even call? Oh, 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 I know. A YouTube channel. Is that what it is? Um, I'm 100 years old. But yes, uh, Sean Evans, he is the man. I love his interviews. Love how he tortures celebrities while he's interviewing them. Um, I, I specifically like to reach the point of the Hot Ones episodes where they've Entered the DeBom stage, Taylor and I just we live for it. We love it. Um, and Matthew McConaughey was on, and uh, I I think he's fantastic too. I have to say, I never really thought he was that great until a little bit later on. He was, you know, pulling out the good ones true detective. Um, and I just, I thought he was really cool because he he mentions at some point how he learns more from his bad reviews than his good reviews. And I thought that was something to take home. I feel the same way. Me, me and Matthew see eye to eye on that. You know, you can't move forward. You can't, get any better at the things you do unless you take a little feedback maybe even sometimes from yourself you even the things you do the best clearly he's an incredible actor you have to push forward there's always more to learn so good job matthew congratulations you're cool. And you know who is also super awesome? My guest of this evening, Robin Schindler. She was incredible to get to know. And you know, some people are just meant to do things in life. I mean, I guess maybe we all have a destiny, something written in the stars for us. I'm not sure. But she is such an inspiration, and I give her so much credit for all the heart and soul she puts into her business, Paint the Stars Art Therapy. I learned a lot about art therapy speaking with her, and I just was captivated when I saw her online on Instagram. I noticed I don't know how I stumbled upon her page, but I just saw all these different art pieces and each of them with a story behind it. I probably found her on Instagram, like, I don't know, maybe two years ago or something. And uh, she is a therapist, art therapist for children. um, And you know, online you see some of their stories and just like little bits. One specifically caught my eye a while ago. It was a pair of shoes and they were painted. And uh, in the caption, she says, or the, you know, the child says, you have no idea what it's like to walk in my shoes. And I just was like oh my gosh I have to see what this is all about and ever ever since then I was so captivated by what she was doing I think it's incredible um it's just an incredible way to reach kids and to have them express themselves and you know get them to push through some of the things that are are buried in there and I I think she's awesome so I hope you guys enjoy listening to her. I know you will, um, and you should go go follow her. It's a true inspiration. You don't know how you know someone else is living what their circumstances, and uh, yeah, it gives you a little taste of of what people have to say. So, go ahead and give her a follow and enjoy. There we go. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you?
1: Good. So nice to sort of meet you here.
0: I know. I'm so excited to have you on. <laughs> I've been you? stalking you. Have you? Oh, I've been stalking you for a while. Yes. That's a little,
1: that's a little um intimidating. I hope I, I can live up to whatever <laughs> standards the stalking has led to. <laughs>
0: um yeah I've been stalking you for a while on the internet awesome (laughs) I just think you're so fascinating and amazing and everything you do so I'm very excited to get to know you tonight a little bit um I am what's that I've never done a podcast. This is like- I was going to ask that. Yeah. Not that I've done many, you know, I just started this, but um, I'm really excited awesome. to, to have you on. Good and, for you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I am going to let you introduce your, yourself because I don't want to sure. mispronounce your name. Um, no but problem. Tonight, I am so excited to welcome you and uh, yeah, I can't wait to get to know you. So tell the people, Robin. <laughs>
1: So I am Robin Schindler. I'm the owner of Paint the Stars Art Therapy, which is in Manalpin and Oceanport, New Jersey. It is a private practice mental health practice, obviously, where we focus on art therapy. We also do some play therapy, some sand tray therapy, and not to leave out the talk therapy as well.
0: Of course. Yeah. You opened the second location last year, right?
1: Yeah. We opened in January, right before the world ended.
0: Oh, you opened Um, in January. (laughs) I thought you opened in November. Okay. No,
1: we, I think wow. we announced in November that we were opening and then we I officially see. opened in January. Okay. It was, it's pretty good. I mean, we, we kept ourselves afloat, which is good. I mean, thank goodness for telehealth and sure. cool things at the time, but it was, yeah. it was exciting. We didn't want to let it go.
0: Yeah. Good for you. Um. You. So, you know, before we get into all of that and Um, I'm so excited to talk to you about what you do. I feel like you're so passionate about it. I just want to kind of get to know you and where it all began for you. And, you know, we we all have this path that leads to, for you, uh, some greatness. So I just want to hear a little bit about that. So, you know, growing up, where were you? Where'd you grow up?
1: So I was born in Brooklyn, technically, and then I was raised in Queens and Long Island, New York. Okay. Um, I would really consider myself more of a Long Islander than I am a Queensboro person. Yeah. Because I moved to Long Island when I was about six. Okay. Um, and so I grew up. Um, a family of six all together was four girls. I'm one of four girls, and I'm the youngest.
0: Wow. So
1: three older sisters. Um, family. Pretty happy family. I would. I would like to say yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're like boring <laughs> slash normal-ish.
0: That's a good thing. That's a good thing.
1: <laughs> if you, if we could look at it that way, yeah. yeah. And then I didn't actually get to New Jersey until about, what are we in? We're in 2020, um, nine years ago.
0: Okay. So a little yes. bit later on, you, you came here. So you grew up mostly in Long Island, going to school there and everything. And, yeah, I went to uh, school there one of four girls, um, Mm -hmm. what's the distance like years apart between you and your like oldest sibling? Me
1: and my oldest sister are 10 years apart.
0: Mm. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So was she like hands on a lot with you, like helping mom out and stuff or?
1: Definitely. She definitely was. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm her baby sister, but I think she also considers me like her baby.
0: Right, right.
1: She's definitely um, a very big part of yeah. growing up and growing up and things like yeah. that. Yeah. We're very okay. close. In, um, and in- then what
0: about your your other sisters?
1: So um, after my oldest sister, then I am um, eight years apart from my next sister. Okay. And then I am um, five years apart from my other sister. Okay.
0: So, so there was some, some age difference there for you.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, there was, which is fun. I mean, to be honest. Yeah. They sort of helped me understand and learn things. Yeah. Growing up as a girl. Um, right. But right. It also can get a little weird and interesting because you're, Used to like a full house, and then as everybody went off and was going to college and doing their own thing, then all of a sudden I was like left all by myself. <laughs> stranded
0: in <Him laughs> right? Long Island,
1: abandoned me. They're all gone.
0: Yeah, 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 they moved on. But I guess you, you <laughs> knew like what was what was coming your way most of the time because you had you know older three older sisters to bounce yes. off of. That's Absolutely. pretty crazy. Yeah. That with that kind of age difference I always it's always very interesting to me like you you know go through life and each one of you have probably a little bit of a different perspective. I know that mm-hmm. you had a good upbringing but like you know with the age difference and Oh yeah. You know, different times your your parents are are experiencing different things, and all the while, yeah. each one is at a different age, kind of witnessing it. It's-
1: Definitely, no, but we yeah. still there are things that come up even now. Um, one of them is kind of silly slash gross, I guess. Yeah. Um, my oldest sister was talking something about how, like, brushing her teeth at night, and I said, you know, I was never taught to do that. I was like, right. mom and dad never taught, told me that I was supposed to brush my teeth again at night, and she was right. like, how is that possible, like, what and do you we mean? all,
0: like, laughed and right. joked,
1: and we we're like, well, by the time we got to me, I guess they were just like, do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, want brush
1: yeah. Your teeth, brush your teeth, you don't yeah. want to yeah. brush, teeth. <laughs> like, just, brush
0: your teeth. you'll deal with it later on. <laughs>
1: which, yeah, which I actually am, but <laughs> <laughs> Not
0: yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, they, they but little things about, like that. Come like, that
0: are fun. Yeah. They thought you would just kind of see it and, mm-hmm. and, and practice it. Right?
1: <laughs> right. Like, Oh, she'll just pick up on this stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So then yeah. the high, uh, like high school in Long Island as well, all your years so- there.
1: All of my years, um, I went to Lawrence High School on Long Island. It's in Nassau County. And um, again, being that I was the fourth of my family to go there, everybody like knew my family, knew our name. That was not always the funnest with teachers. It's like, oh, we uh, have another one from your family. Right. Um, but it was still, it was great. It was a great place to grow up. I mean, I loved where I grew up. It was wonderful. It was Is a small diverse. town or... Not no. terribly small. I mean, I guess, I mean, no. I would actually say it's pretty big. We, okay. we kind of like made up of these, we're called the five towns. Okay. So it all sort of was made up together, but it was pretty diverse. Lots of people from lots of different backgrounds, which was kind of nice to grow up with.
0: Definitely. And
1: um, it made school interesting and fun, different walks mm-hmm. of life. Um, definitely, you know, some people you want to stay away from that you don't want (laughs) to be like, and some people that you're like, Oh, they're kind of cool. Let's hang out with them. Uh, and then I even went to college in New York. I went to upstate New York. Okay. um, Binghamton, SUNY Binghamton. Okay. So I wasn't terribly far away. But yeah. like three to four hours away from home was mm-hmm.
0: pretty decent. So, yeah. So. <laughs> and were your siblings, like were your sisters already like kind of moving on, moving out of oh, the yeah. house? Yeah, they were. My
1: oldest sister got married when I was a sophomore in high school. Okay. So she like got married, moved out. It started like her whole life, life basically yeah. like, on her own. Yeah. Life and after, here, right. High school.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: La dee da. <laughs> um, yeah. But, and then my other, my other older sister, the second oldest, she also, I think by that time, you know, moved out, had her own place. Um, my sister that I'm closest with in age, she was the only other sister of mine that went away to college. And it was actually thanks to her that I got to go away to college because my parents really didn't believe in sending in that. kids away.
0: Yeah. But well, she
1: pushed um, herself.
0: Oh, yeah. she was like, I, I'm not having it. I have no. to experience this. Yeah. So were the, what was the hesitation on their part?
1: Um, well, so my parents, they're both um, immigrants. Okay. They're both born in Europe. So my father is a Holocaust survivor. And um, my mom was wow. born in a um, DP camp, a displaced persons camp right after the
0: wow. war.
1: So they... Both kind of had very old school mentality, you know, so when they came over, it's like, what what do you mean you're going to go away to college? Like there's all these schools within five minutes of where we live, they'll just go to one of them. Right. And my oldest sister, who is more of like a homebody, definitely stuck with their program more. So she went to school on Long Island, commuted. Mm -hmm. My second oldest sister really wanted to go to Cornell University. She got in and they wouldn't let her go. And she was devastated. Yeah. Um, and then by the time my third sister, she was like, I'm going to Boston University. Catch a leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is it.
0: So it so kind my, of paved the way for you a little yeah, bit. Exactly.
1: Yeah. My, my dad sort of had to let go at that point. Um, yeah. She wasn't thrilled with it. Right. But then by the time it got to me... And I remember very well going to look at schools with him. And when we were touring Binghamton, he was just like, yeah, like, I like this. This is nice. Yeah. And he wasn't super against it anymore, which was kind of fun too. I mean, he didn't love it, but he was like, yeah, it's okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: wow. So we rolled with it.
0: Okay. So, whoa, that's, you dropped a bomb. I didn't, I was, <laughs> I was Sorry not. about that. You're like, everything, you know, <laughs> growing up was we're normal, pretty peachy. <laughs> you <Yeah>, like PG, <laughs> no big deal. Um, so at what age did you kind of learn about that that your parents had been a part of the Holocaust? That's
1: a great question. Um, It's hard for me to really recall when I first learned that.
0: Yeah. One
1: of my earliest memories of really learning about my family is um, we had to do a family tree sort of project in elementary school. I want to say I was in the fifth grade, maybe fourth or fifth grade. And I just remember everybody coming in with, like, these little, like, loose-leaf paper things that they had written on, and I came up with this huge piece of oak tag because my family is so big, Yeah, and it was at that time when I was researching it that I had to start putting in, like, what year you were born, where you were born, things like that, and so I do remember hearing, obviously, a lot about, like, my dad was born in Poland, and then his family basically running through Europe trying to escape the Nazis, and... It was, um, yeah, it it was definitely intense and very different for me to grow up learning that because most of my friends and most of my peers, their parents were much younger than my parents. Right. And they, I don't want to say that they didn't relate. It was just hard, I think, for them to relate to that. So when I would like have a play date and someone would cover my house, (laughs) my dad was like this elusive figure who would just like pop in and pop out, whereas like other dads were like hey what are we doing what's going on and like my dad's like hanging in like the den doing (laughs) I don't know whatever he wanted to do at the moment yeah yeah but it was like an ongoing joke along with my friends like oh you you have a dad right like yeah yeah yeah. dad somewhere I'm like he's there don't worry he's there
0: just just in Um, the shadows
1: he's just he's just hanging back
0: yeah yeah
1: but it was it was very different I mean my mom is very American
0: Again, right. she was
1: born in a dp camp so she came over when she was a baby
0: right so she right. really
1: although she is an immigrant she just knows the american okay. way of life i guess yeah. is the best way to put it sure. whereas my dad didn't come over until he was like 13 14 right so you know he had like a very fuzzy accent which was a mm. mix of like poland and brooklyn and new york
0: um, yeah
1: made for some fun stuff too yeah uh, so it was, it was, um, I'm very proud of, of you know, my, my family's history and where they came from and the hardships that they went through, of course. And I think it definitely builds in me in a different way, especially with the way I'm passionate and driven about what I do sure. and what I want to become and all this great stuff.
0: Yeah. That's, that's the roots. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So did you find yourself kind of like immediately or soon after kind of wanting to know more and asking questions a lot? And
1: Yeah, very yeah. much so. I was very, very curious. I um, Once I knew my history and my background, um, especially like in history classes and social studies, yeah. I always sort of... Lean towards learning about that period of time.
0: Of course, when
1: I was in college, I came very close to minoring in like Judaic Holocaust Studies because I was so interested, and I took all these cool classes. Yeah, that were very, very interesting to learn about. And um, we have uh, we have like these recordings of my dad and some of his older siblings. He's one of seven. Wow! So he has several older siblings who yeah sort of got interviewed and recorded from their history of what they remembered from the Holocaust. My dad didn't really talk about it too much until he was much, much older. Okay. I mean, I will also say I wasn't questioning him all the time about it. Right.
0: So would you kind of ask your mom a little bit more?
1: Yes and no. I mean, we had um, my dad's older sister, one of his older sisters who actually lived in Israel, she would constantly tell stories like whenever we saw her she was like an open book she would tell us things she saw things she heard just wow amazing stories wow and eventually he also got to that place um but his memories were all much darker I would say uh whereas even though my aunt would also tell plenty of you know very sad dark stories she always had more of like an uplifting tone to some of what she would talk about Right. Whereas my dad, it was much more like, no, I remember seeing people hanging from trees mm-hmm. and like things that you were just like, okay, maybe I get why we didn't talk about this when I was. Right.
0: Young. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but it was still important to hear of at course. some point, you know, what you went through, what you heard, what you saw. Yeah. The
0: depth of that. Um, yes. And I guess like that kind of is in a, a sense related to, what I was saying before, the order of age and when you experience mm. something, right? Because he was Absolutely. much younger than she was. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's personality and, and all that yeah. as well, but just the age.
1: No, for sure. Yeah. I, it's, you know, what, how old you are when you go through what is, is a very big part of, I think, yeah. who you become.
0: So is he like- did he kind of develop a a comfortable place in talking about things or he always remained a little bit kind he, of shut I think off? He,
1: I think he got more comfortable. Um, I would still say he didn't talk about it, I think, as much as maybe me and my sisters would have liked him to.
0: Right. Because
1: we were always eager to know more and to hear more. Yeah. But again, we did understand and we never really – pushed too hard or too much.
0: Very delicate.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, my, I still have um, in my dad's family, he has one older sister that's still alive and one older brother. Um, I see the older brother more because he lives on Long Island. His older sister lives in Canada. And um, whenever I see his older brother, he's like, again, open book, just will pour out stories and you could just sit there and listen all day because it's yeah. so fascinating and it's so amazing that me and my sisters are often just like, wow, like we, just, we just sit here listening to this all, all day long.
0: Yeah. Uh, Talk about perspective, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That'll, that will do it for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, um, like, Would you say that that kind of ignited your um, thought process of of kind of being interested in the human mind and reactions and all of that?
1: Uh, It's very interesting. Um, I wouldn't say that that necessarily ignited it because growing up, going into college, I was dead set on becoming a pediatrician. That was oh. it. I was like I'm going to I'm going to go to school. I want to take care of kids. I want to be a doctor. I was yeah. very gung-ho about it. And when I got to college and it was inorganic chemistry, when I had to okay. take inorganic chemistry, I was like maybe this isn't <laughs> the path. <laughs> Maybe I thought that this was the path, but no, I don't really know. It's not. (laughs) Right. So I was, I was very devastated at that point because I was probably a sophomore in college and I was like, what do I do? This is what I've always wanted to do. And I kept gravitating towards the idea of still working with kids because growing up, like I was the camp counselor. I was the babysitter. I loved being around kids. Yeah. I had a big family. I had little cousins that I took care of. It's just, it was something in me. I was like, I feel like I'm meant to work with kids. So I'm like, okay, what path can I find? Like what career can I make up? All the while I had been an artist growing up. Okay. I have done my own art since I was very, very young. Like I was always that kid in elementary school who would like submit things into contests and whatever. Loved taking art, loved creating all the time. Mm -hmm. So once I dropped the idea of med school, I started taking more art classes at Binghamton. And it just ignited something in me. I was just like, why am I not doing more of this? I need to be taking more art classes. This is what I love. I feel like this is what I'm really good at. So I started doing that all the while still thinking, how do I work <laughs> incorporate right and you, right, continue fostering my passion for the arts? Because I'm told growing up, like you can't be an artist. right? An artist doesn't have a career. An artist mm-hmm. doesn't make money. An artist can't take care of themselves, yeah. which pains me, makes me so sad to even say that. Right. Um, which is clearly not the case anymore. Thank goodness. Yeah. But I felt very lost. And my second oldest sister, actually, I don't remember how she did it either over a phone call or email. She sent me a link about art therapy. And she said, I just found out through like one of my friends or one of, um, her husband, Anthony's cousins, about this career, art therapy, which I didn't know anything about, and as soon as I heard about it, I thought, "This is you." Yeah. And so I started looking into it, and I was like, like, my mind was blown. I was like, yeah. what is this? this? is amazing.
0: Right. I think so that's me, what happened to me when I stumbled upon oh what you God. do. I was <laughs> like, wow! This is uh, awesome.
1: It is. It's just so great. I'm like, this is perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: I can work with different populations. I can use my artistic background and my creativity, but yet foster someone else's passion with the arts and help them in some way. Yeah. So I was still not not totally sure. And I started taking some like intro to psych classes at Binghamton just to see, I'm like, let's see, like, is this something I'm interested in? Am I good at this? And it just kind of domino effect from there snowballed into like a great thing where I really was passionate about it. I was super interested I definitely felt like this was the right move for me. Yeah. So once I knew that that was the route I wanted to go, then I just started doing a lot of research and figuring out how do I get from my point A to my point B? Like what's the best way for me to do this? And it's just like, it's really all history from there. I just planned it all out. I said, um, I'm going to go and get my master's in mental health counseling Mm 1st Because back when I was looking, there weren't many states that had art therapy licenses. So from the research that I did, I found out that without licensure in a state, it makes it more difficult to get jobs. It makes it more difficult to get paid, things like that. So I said, okay, since I don't know what state I'm going to live in, let me get this other master's degree background so that I can work in any state.
0: So, art therapy is like kind of of its own, like
1: it is, yes. Okay,
0: so you need a license for that specifically. Oh, okay, I didn't realize. So,
1: not every state has a license. You can actually be an art therapist in other states, you still have to be board certified, which is almost like the national credential for it. So, that is not a problem. But again, if I were to work in, I'm gonna pick like a really random state, like Iowa, right? Right. If I want to go work in Iowa and really be able to, let's say, run my own practice or get reimbursed through insurance companies, Mm -hmm. I would have to have a license within that state to do that. Okay. Most places wouldn't look at an art therapy board certified or credentialed as, okay, we can reimburse you for this which makes it very difficult. I will say sure, it's changing. It's constantly changing right yeah. now in the art therapy world.
0: Because um, it's growing or?
1: Growing exponentially. Yeah, yeah um, I bet. Even New Jersey just passed their own art therapy license, which okay. is wonderful. Yeah. So it's the licensed professional art therapy. Okay. Um, and that is actually in the, pro- I'm in the process of being grandfathered into that, which is a wonderful thing oh, too. Oh,
0: that's great. Yeah.
1: Yes. So hopefully that'll help a lot of people in New Jersey as well. New York has their license. That's, I'm licensed in New York as well. I see. Okay. So that's where I originally was working. But now they also, for, for any possible art therapy students listening out there, now they have um, dual tracks. So you don't have to be crazy like me and get two master's degrees. You can go for one master's program that now gets you both. It gets you the mental health counseling and the art therapy.
0: So you did both art and... Wow. Yes. So
1: I pay loans back until I'm dead, like twice a year, basically. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that's how it's We're going to
0: pretend like that doesn't exist. But, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, everyone listening who's about to, you're very exactly. lucky. You don't yes. have to no, no. You can merge the two then.
1: We, yes. Yeah. It's a okay. wonderful thing. I always I get a lot of students that email me and ask me questions, like, how do you get into the field? And what do you right. recommend? And I always say, find yourself a dual degree program that is going to stay counseling and art therapy on it. Cause I'll use New Jersey as an example. When I first moved to the state, if I did not have that mental health counseling component, right. I could not have gotten my LPC, my licensed professional counselor. They wouldn't have even looked
0: at me. Oh, okay.
1: So if you're an art therapist moving from New York, you think, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm in the same umbrella. So let me go for that license. They'll say, it's- absolutely not. Wow, which is a hard pill to swallow.
0: Yeah, yeah. I so, mean it's terrible. did you start doing this elsewhere, or did you just jump into owning your own business? Oh no, no, no. I, okay. I, I
1: wish. Yeah, no. I definitely started elsewhere.
0: You know what? Sometimes I, it's a good thing though, because it teaches oh, you know what not to do, and you know, mm-hmm. just different different things. You you just learn and grow when you're working under someone
1: you're totally right and it also was an eye-opening experience into a lot of what is ethically wrong about the mental health mm-hmm. field so I started off um, I started off in the hospital system in New York I worked at a children's hospital in Brooklyn my mom oh, Wow okay and so I was part of their child life team I was an art therapist part of the child life team so I would work with kids who came in for Um, acute chronic criminal illnesses. Okay. And we would do art therapy and different play and um, child therapy techniques within the hospital. Then from there, I moved to another children's hospital, which specialized in like severely physically disabled and also medically disabled children. Okay. And I worked there. Um, Then I moved into New Jersey and I started working in a mental health facility, like, um, an outpatient program called Gen Psych. Um, it was at the time based in Bridgewater and now they've kind of exploded. They're all over the place. Okay. So I went from there to another similar type of facility. And it was around that time that I started branching out wanting to go off onto my own. Um, and I will say I mostly wanted to do that because of my own ethical values Mm -hmm. that were kind of being questioned by working in these facilities, uh, the long story short of that is that insurance companies really kind of command you to either see or not see people based on whatever their coverage is. And I was, I am still very uncomfortable with that. You know, if you're seeing a 15 year old who has, a lot of self-harm issues and suicidal ideation and the insurance comes back and says nope they're good they're ready to go to outpatient we're not covering anymore and you know you're kind of left throwing your hands up in the air okay yeah um it leaves a really icky feeling
0: yeah <laughs>
1: in, your, in your stomach daunting. and in your, right yeah it's just it's not good yeah um, you know, you feel after working with these clients, obviously, as any therapist, I'm sure will tell you, I mean, you build up rapport, but you also, there's a connection that's made there of and course. that connection is important part of the therapy process. Yeah. So when you know in your gut that this person or this kid is not ready to move yeah. on to the next level, but you're kind of being forced to do that. Yeah. It was too much for me. Yeah. I That's what really lit the fire in me and said, I think I want to see what happens if I start my own practice and start seeing people on my terms, my way, not letting the insurance companies dictate that. So
0: So, when you were working under, like for these locations, mm -hmm. did the person, the patient kind of have to inquire about the art therapy or it was just something that was offered and- and kind of pushed on the patient? Like how did that work?
1: Well, so um, in the hospital setting, it was offered to every child who basically came in and was admitted on the floor. Okay. We would kind of go room to room offering different services. um, And then of course, certain kids who are coming in with not like the best diagnoses, you know, I'll take like an appendicitis versus like a newly diagnosed cancer.
0: Right, right. right. So
1: like a kid who's going through the appendicitis really needed the child life team, like who's Mm going to teach them about the MRI that you're going to get and the surgery and the IVs and how that works. Right. Right. Whereas then the kid who comes in and just got diagnosed with cancer, we would kind of know, okay, let's take our therapy brains and meet with them, you know, once, twice a week doing regular sessions. Right. So sometimes we would kind of push ourselves through when we knew we really needed to push ourselves through. Mm-hmm. Other times it was more optional. Right. Um, but most kids and families in that hospital setting take anything at sure. that point because they want all services offered, which yes. is great. I agree yeah, with that. Of course. <laughs> um, but that in the, um in the mental health facilities that I was working at, So I was working at that point as a counselor and an art therapist. So I would get a certain amount of individual clients that would be under my care Mm -hmm. and not all of them, I felt fit wanting art therapy. Right. So they would kind of get talk therapy, whereas there were a lot that could benefit from art therapy. So we did art therapy.
0: Okay. And I also
1: ran different groups, some of which were very specifically art therapy groups and others, which were different types of group therapy options.
0: Okay. So it did
1: vary quite a bit.
0: Yeah. So how did you, um, kickstart opening your own business?
1: My baby, my first baby, um, yeah, (laughs) my first baby came. Well, so I was still working at Gen psych at the time. And I actually spoke to my director there and I said, would it be okay if, and I gave him my scenario, which was, I wanted to start my own practice, but I wanted to be able to see some of my clients at the, the mental health facility location, right? wanna pay for rent somewhere else. I didn't want to jump that gun yet. Yeah. And he was very nice on board. And he said, sure, that's great. You know, cool. if you as long as you do it after hours of when you're done, like technically right. with work here, you can do that. So I did start, um, I had the name for a long time in my head. I was mm-hmm. like, I am going to be paint the stars art therapy. Yeah. And I drew up a logo for myself and I made some business cards. And I started with a Psychology Today page.
0: Okay. Where I
1: kind of put myself out there. Yeah. And it starts with one client and then it was just word of mouth. Yeah. So it it took off. um, I don't want to say super fast, but it was quick enough where in my head I realized this was something I could do. Right. So I had maybe, I want to say like seven to 10 clients within that first several months of starting and that was what really got my fire going for private practice because at that point I was loving doing that so much more than working for the facility. So at the time, you know, it's like a family discussion. I spoke to my husband. I was like, do you think we should take this chance? We weren't quite ready yet, but we were kind of preparing ourselves for it. Yeah. And then when I moved into the next mental health facility, um, that was like a little bit of a disaster. They kind of crumbled financially
0: okay. before
1: my eyes. So, as that was starting to happen, I started separating myself. Um, I also found out that I was pregnant with my first baby at the time. Wow. And I said, I think we should just dive into me doing my private practice and forget yeah. about all this other nonsense. Yeah. Today. And so, Everyone was on board. I rented like a closet.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> that I could literally you're
0: like a closet. it was, yeah.
1: definitely, it was definitely a closet. There was, there were no windows. <laughs> it was 100% a closet. Um, I rented it from a really great occupational therapist She okay. lived near me over here. Yeah, um, she was in like the Marlborough town area over there, and I started. Doing private practice there, and again, it was just a great snowball effect because it was word of mouth, and I started getting more and more clients, which was awesome. Yeah, um, had had to just keep going with it. You know, I continued and continued. I mean, obviously, when you have a baby, things get put on pause, but I was going to say that, was, that I like- was with,
0: that was pretty was bold to like do it all at once, right?
1: was <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> like looking back at it, I'm like, how did I not have a Let or do or something?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Let's exactly. just do everything all at once. It's good. No, I got I, this.
1: <laughs> I mean, the families that I work with from the beginning, from the very, very beginning were so wonderful and so understanding about my own personal life. Um Yeah. You know, where I was coming from, that when it was time for me to obviously have the baby and then take some time off, usually what a therapist does is they refer out. So like I try to set everybody up with a new therapist and almost all of my clients were like, we're just going to wait. Like, yeah, we're just going to wait for you to come back. And I'm like, are you sure? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, I, there were definitely a few where I pushed them. I'm like, no, no, you can't go this long without seeing right, someone. Without you seeing. have to go see someone. Sure. But then when I came back from maternity leave, which was very short because yeah. when you work for yourself, you don't yeah. get paid and you don't really get maternity yeah. leave. Yeah. So I jumped right back in. Um, but my hours were great cause I made them myself so I could be Flexible. all day with my baby mm-hmm. and then go to work for a few hours a day, just, you know, to get back right into it. Yeah. And, um, from there, it really took off. It was just me seeing tons and tons and tons of families and kids. Yeah, that's
0: wonderful. So is a session like an hour? What does that look like between the art and the talk?
1: Right. So I, because I work with um, such young kids, I Mm -hmm. I start at age three and I go up to 22. Wow. So occasionally I might even see somebody younger than three, but it's very rare and it's really case dependent Mm -hmm. on like what's going on and what they're seeing. But with those little guys, it's half hour session. So I try to stick with what their attention span can handle. Mm -hmm. And that's usually a good mix of play therapy and art therapy. Okay. And then as you get a little older, like into late elementary school, middle school, a lot of sessions tend to be like 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. some maybe an hour. It really depends on the kid. Sure. And then again, as you get older, more attention span, you're talking more, you're doing more. So then we get into more hourly.
0: Right. right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what would you say, like working with, such a that wide range it's uh, you you're all over the map right like with all yeah. the different things
1: lots of different diagnoses for sure um you know people always love to ask you know what type of clients do you see i mean i see it all
0: a- anything and everything
1: i would say you know obviously we know the the climate of the world right now i see a majority anxiety depression
0: for mm-hmm. sure Yeah,
1: But I definitely also see quite a few um, personality disorders, bipolar disorder, Mm -hmm. a lot of family issues. I do have so, so, so many families of divorce that I see,
0: um,
1: as well as behavioral issues. And then you have, you know, um, more grief-based, medical-related, or as I say, medical art therapy, you know, if I'm working with them to kind of get through different medical diagnoses and things like that. Right. So it's, it's definitely a very wide range.
0: Wide range. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what age do you, I guess it depends on what it is that you're working with, but is Mm -hmm. there kind of an age bracket that's a little more challenging?
1: Well, there definitely is. I mean, Every, well, I shouldn't say everyone. A lot of therapists, I think, will tell you that teens are mm-hmm. typically very challenging. For me, it's challenging in a wonderful way. They're my favorite population to yeah. work with. I love the sort of displaced anger that mm-hmm. comes through a lot of times with teens. I relate to it. I remember being a teen
0: so right. well. Right, right. And I
1: remember being just as you know snotty or sassy as <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the next one can be. Yeah, and it's fun. You know, they don't they don't sugarcoat things. In right. A way. Also very real and very raw. So mm-hmm. as a therapist, it's like this is great. I want to see these real emotions coming through. Whereas the parents are like, please take my kid and change this and fix this and like, yeah, 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 yeah. Again, you know, and I get that part of it too. I'm sure. Yeah. That it's very different to live with that versus treat that. Sure. But, um, I would say that's definitely challenging mm-hmm. for me also. Um, it's very strange. Like I always, I'm a very big believer in things happen for a reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I believe in like that greater spiritual energy sure. that we all have going on. So my father passed away from brain cancer like eight years ago. Oh so I have been getting, I mean, so many to the point where I think it's a little weird. Yeah. So many cases of people coming in where it's either a parent that has brain cancer wow, or a child that had brain cancer and no longer does, or a sibling has brain cancer. And I'm like, right. why is this falling into my lap? Right,
0: right. It's <laughs> so, coming to me. Right.
1: Right. And part of me, I always get a little weirded out when it happens. I'm not going to lie. Like there's definitely still that emotional like PTSD brain sure. in my head of what I went through. Yeah. But then it's also very heartwarming.
0: And yeah.
1: Wonderful to be able to say to someone so young, like, I know what you're going through. Yeah. And help them through that. Yeah. So it's, it's super challenging, super rewarding at the yeah. same time.
0: Yeah, it also kind of helps heal your oh, yes. wounds I'm sure in a in oh, a it, sense. Definitely. It definitely yeah. does. Yeah. Wow, that that had to be a a long battle, I'm sure.
1: It I mean sadly it was short in time and okay. felt long like ridiculously
0: long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Um it was he was um within the time that he got diagnosed to when he passed away it was less than a year it was less than a year yeah i want to say maybe it was about nine months so it was that was like a very um intense and emotional and raw part of my history for sure and i again, like I took like a leave of absence at that time because I was trying to help care for my dad and I was trying yeah. to help my mom. And so they lived in Florida, so we were flying back and forth. Um, I was still at Gen Psych, the other mental health facility, and they were wonderful about it mm-hmm. when everything kind of happened. Yeah, But now, I mean, I there's so many things that I do on a daily basis that makes me think of it or that makes me feel, again, like even in a weird, terrible way, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And we go through things for a different reason. I'm like right now, I'm I'm writing a a children's book that speaks to my experience, I guess, with losing someone so close. Yeah. But also, with the greater, bigger idea of I want to help kids who are going through a big loss like that. Yeah. In fabricated children's tale kind of way that they can tolerate you know, on some level. Right. You know, again, like all these different things that I do for myself that are therapeutic, they always Mm -hmm. tie into what I do for a living.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it helps heal those, those wounds for you. Absolutely. So dealing with, um, you know, you're dealing with children, um, Mm -hmm. primarily some in their early twenties, you have a lot of, um, time with the parents as well or is that kind of just talking afterward or so
1: I work um I guess a little more unorthodox like than uh some of my other therapy counterparts do Mm -hmm. I I don't meet with the parents at all in terms of while we're actually doing sessions and and meeting with their kids initially I do a free consultation so Mm -hmm. I meet with every family for 30 minutes no charge whatsoever. And I do that so that parents can see the space, the kids can see the space, everybody gets to meet me, I get to meet everybody, Mm -hmm. and we see if it's a good fit.
0: Right, right.
1: From there, the therapy sessions are just for the client, the child, or the teen, or whoever it may be. But I keep in touch with parents via email. So I continue to respect confidentiality, obviously of my clients but I try to when you're when you're working with kids and you're trying to help them overcome things that they need to work on at home at Mm -hmm. school and other areas of their life the parents do need to be in the know that's that's my take on it otherwise how can they help right yeah so I don't give a laundry list of everything that we're doing but Mm -hmm. I might for example say to a parent in an email okay so this week we were working on anxiety, and we were trying to build our coping skills, and I found that when I gave your daughter some model magic,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it quieted her body, and it quieted her mind, and I could see her slow down, and right. so what I'm thinking that you need to do when she's at home and on a Zoom call for school, and you start to see her fidgeting, you need to take out some model magic and sit it next to her and give it to her. So, Things like that, right, where right. I'm going to translate what I'm doing in a session for how a parent can use that at home. Right. So I don't have to break confidentiality by saying, oh, well, you know, your daughter is anxious because of, you know, this something that happened at school or something that you said or something. That right. Um, obviously, the more concerning, important things that come up, parents do get to know. Mm-hmm. But that's on a limited basis as well. Parents are very appreciative when I send them, you know, these summaries that Mm -hmm. I send them. They then email me back with questions that they have, you know, like, oh, we had an incident at home. How should we handle that? Or did I handle this right? And they kind of walk me through it. So I, I correspond with my families a lot over now. Yeah. Um, And And I I guess
0: that's like the only way somewhat that, progress would be made because I feel like, right. you know, here you are working with some children, mostly children. I mean, 22 is, is a little bit yeah. older, but <laughs> mostly children with like circumstances where, you know, if you're working with adults, you're working with that individual. I'm sure there's right. other elements, but for a child, the element a lot of times is in their surroundings, oh, their parents yeah. and, you know, their siblings ah. and whatever is going on. So it's, That's a little tricky, I would imagine.
1: Absolutely. I mean, kids have three three main environments. It's Mm -hmm. home, it's school, and it's their peers. Yeah. So a lot of times in session, we're able to very easily work on peer-related things. Schools, um, we get the schools involved. You know, I've been in touch with school counselors and principals and vice principals and, you know, IEP progress reports and things like that um, you're in touch about that. You know, parents give you permission, obviously, to talk to the schools, but you can talk to right. them. So then it's almost like the parents are left <laughs> with like this little hole over here. Well, what do right. we doing? Oh, you know? Right, right. So they need that to be filled with something. I know, yeah. I mean, definitely there are a lot of children therapists out there who will, um, you know, split a session in half, you know, half the time mm-hmm. is for just the, the child and half the time is for the child and the, family together. Right. There's lots of different ways to do it. This is just the way that works best for me.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: art therapy process itself is time consuming. You're an artist, you know, it takes a yeah. while to
0: create. Yeah. Create, so if yeah. I
1: were to, yeah, if I were to just give a kid, you know, 15, 20 minutes and say, let's see what we can do. Not that much is going to come from it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it takes kids five, 10, even sometimes close to 15 minutes to really think of what they want to do with the project and to get it going, to their supplies, you know, decide different sketches, whatever it is that they're doing. They take the art component part of it very seriously. Right. As I want them to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm
1: trying to really help pull out the benefits of art therapy more by limiting Mm -hmm. any other time with anyone else. Yeah. And that makes, that makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. It's just yeah. The awful. only I can r- relate on a, a level to, um, it's kind of the opposite of viewpoint, but my daughter was in a lot of therapies very mm-hmm. young, from 15 months till about four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, she was going through uh, some developmental issues. And um, I always found that, you know, people w- weren't. As involved in their child's therapy, and I, I was very involved. I was always in the sessions, not not wanting to be too much of a part of it. I right. just wanted to be kind of like a fly on the wall, just so that mm-hmm. I knew what to be doing what at do. home. Yeah, because I what I felt do. like you know she had a lot of trouble focusing, and mm-hmm. you can't really. Accomplish everything in that hour. The therapy, you know, speech therapy or OT, it's right. not only happening in the hour. It's not like oh, I send my kid to therapy and this is where the magic happens. Exactly, like you I need wish to, yeah. you need yeah right. You need <laughs> to have an understanding of what's going on. Yeah. So, it's 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 a good thing to kind of include the parents. I oh, wonder yeah. is it is it kind of frustrating sometimes dealing with parents? having It
1: definitely can be. Um, I do a lot of family sessions as a separate entity as part of the therapy process. So there are definitely a lot of kids who benefit from doing family therapy Mm -hmm. sessions. I will say a lot of those um, divorced families for sure, but also Mm -hmm. the behavioral Issues yeah. that some kids see at home, right? Believe it or not, the main issue that comes up is, and I hate to say it, don't hate on me for saying it, parents,
0: <laughs> right? Um,
1: and it's it's lack of follow through and it's lack of consistency, and, yeah. And uh, I mean, I say to parents all the time, I'm like, I really don't want to waste your time. I really don't want to waste your money. You have right. to start doing what I'm telling you, you need to do.
0: Yeah. And, I, <laughs> I, I, and you're the therapist. So you know, you know, right. each week that the work has not been done. No. It's like,
1: I know from the updates that I get from the emails, I can tell, you know, really trying to move forward and really trying to do what we need to work on. And I mean, there have been plenty of families, believe it or not, where I've gotten to a point where I say, there's nothing else that I can do here that I haven't already done. This is now on you. This is your part. And, you know, a lot of parents, some of it is fear. I think a lot of parents in this day and age have like this fear of like, "I, I don't want my kid to hate me. And I... What's mm-hmm. going to happen when they have that meltdown or that tantrum? Right. And I hope you just, you push through it. Yeah. I always give parents like a two week warning. I say, mm-hmm. here's what you're going to do, right? We're going to start this new routine. We're going to start this new structure. You're going to be consistent. You're going to give out proper punishments when it's important to do so. Right. The next two weeks of your life are going to be living hell. <laughs> and I say it, I yeah. say it perfectly just like that, but I right. say, listen, If you can just make it through that two weeks, right? Follow through exactly. That's when your child is gonna stop and go. Oh, they're serious. Yeah, I'm not winning anymore. Right. I need to get on board with what's happening. And it's like a switch, and it's gonna happen. But so many parents hit that first or second tantrum, and they just that's it. They're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Right.
0: Right. Right.
1: I say, I'm like, my hands are tied. I can't come to your house and make you do that. Exactly.
0: <laughs> like, it all it, all the magic can't happen here. Like you have right. to do yeah. it. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. There's many hours in a day. <laughs> no, exactly. And, and I know that so many parents, and I agree with this too, so many parents are very against doing medication. I'm very against doing medication with kids as well because I do believe in therapy and I do think that therapy can do so much for a child, right? It's
0: not the first thing you're reaching for. Right. 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 I
1: will say there's definitely certain cases where I say, listen, we have a real issue here and
0: we need to... Of course. Sure. Yeah. But
1: if you can really do the therapy, number one, you don't need the medication, right? Yeah. But then if you're the parent that comes in and is like, well, I don't want to do medication, but I also... (laughs) don't want to punish my kid and take away their iPads and take away their phones. Yeah. All right. Well, we're at a standstill then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate, I I do feel like I definitely can be a little judgy as far as parents go. I feel like, (laughs) you know, they just, I feel like sometimes they just don't want to be bothered.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I don't know. That's, that's that's just the vibe I get. I don't know if it's this generation or I, I don't know just, either to, it's I mean, always to be been that way and I
1: right. <laughs> I can't I I don't know I mean I also try to put myself in like the very difficult time that we're in right now right where it's like parents trying to work from home trying mm-hmm. to get their kids to do school at home properly. yeah you know trying yeah. to do all these different things I get that there's definitely a different world mm-hmm but that should not change what a parenting style is.
0: They can't. You know, Your right. child is depending on you, Ex- yeah. even if they're an, an obnoxious teen. Mm-hmm. You know, like they even depending if they're at a the place most. where they're like kicking and screaming. It's, you know, right. it's just it's the yeah. hardest job you could ever have. But absolutely, are depending on you. So, and
1: I think that's the whole thing. I try to say to parents when I see them now is. I get how crazy our schedules are right now, but it's, it's not an excuse for not being able to follow through on the things that we have to follow through with.
0: Right. So what would you say kind of is the biggest game changer with COVID coming into the picture as far as like the children that you're seeing? Like what, what are the types of things that, uh, that are kind of new now?
1: So, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say new, but I would say increased, increased exponentially, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of anger.
0: There's yeah. a lot of
1: frustration and anger from our kids, yeah. understandably so.
0: Of course, yeah. <laughs> we
1: They have no social life, essentially. Yeah. yeah, They don't get to be with their peers. They don't get that sense of normalcy from school. Mm-hmm. Um, I can even look at my own son who started kindergarten this year. I can't yeah. even call it kindergarten. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. call it kindergarten.
0: My if daughter so. is in, one of my daughters is in first grade, so I get it, yeah.
1: It's not, this is not normal. I know. Right. So the anger and the frustration is there. And of course, um, I would say a very big issue that came up as a result of COVID was Mm -hmm. that so many parents were left to allow electronics to parent their kids for Mm -hmm. some time. So yes, we created this monster. A lot of parents didn't have a choice. I get it. I 100% get that. But now we're dealing with the ramifications of that, which is we can't focus. We're having tantrums. We're super Mm -hmm. angry. We're super moody. We're anxious one minute. We're depressed the next minute. Our moods are just all over the map. Yeah, And that is making it really difficult, I think, on a lot of families. Yeah, Um, I don't get surprised when parents come in and say, my kid can't sit on a Zoom call. I try to really explain that's not enough to say your kid is ADHD you know I mean kids are not meant to sit in front of a computer this long. Right. let's let's be real right, right and right I, mean, I don't want to sit I mean wrong.
0: I'm enjoying this but I completely right. agree <laughs> right,
1: right. Yeah. Like, there, there are certain things you can tolerate but of course after that right so I, I don't want to say that we're increasing anything like ADHD. I just think given what we're doing right now in the environment, yeah, you're going to see that. You're going to see a lot less attention and focus, but mm-hmm. I feel like that's situational and I think that will go away once these kids get back to school.
0: Right, right. It's
1: more the emotional lasting effects that I'm concerned about yeah. and how parents are really going to handle setting limits on things like screen time now because I I always say to them, like, please keep in mind, if your kid is on the computer four hours a day, that has to count as part of their screen time. They're sitting in front of a screen. Right. So for a parent to say, well, they're online for four hours doing work. And then I let them play video games for three hours, way too much for (laughs) Like like, that is just, yeah. beyond too much. Oh
0: no! And then they,
1: they kind of wonder, well, like, why is my kid so angry when I take it away? Because this is their addiction now. This is like, we're feeding into these horrible, horrible addictions. Aside from the fact that there are terrible things on the internet right now, right? Uh, you know, in video games, on, on yeah. TikTok. Yeah. I had a client a month ago Who's, I don't know if you heard about this TikTok video with the veteran who unfortunately killed himself on video.
2: Oh my. And it took,
1: I don't remember how long, but it was like minutes until TikTok got wind of it and removed it. So if you think of how many people actually saw that, one of the kids that I see saw that.
0: Oh my God. What does that
1: do to someone?
0: Right.
1: You know, so then she's having nightmares and she's having anxiety and she doesn't, want to go to school and she doesn't want to leave the house. Okay. I understand why she doesn't right. want to do all of those things.
0: Of course.
1: This is where our monitoring comes in. And this is where we have to be really super proactive right. because we don't know when COVID is going away. Right. So if we don't know that part of it, then we have to work on the part that we can control. Yeah. This, you know, yeah. And that has made it, I think in the mental health world in general, COVID has kind of exploded onto us just because there are so many feelings that people are going through. Yeah. probably not enough therapists at this point out there to help.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So what are you kind of expecting like throughout the next, like what do you foresee happening with all that?
1: I I would like to be positive and see that I think we can be in an upswing of this because parents... I believe are catching wind
0: Mm -hmm. of
1: changes that they have to make. Yeah. You know, different type of discipline that they have to put in place limits for sure. Yeah. And if you're able to do that, then you're definitely going to be able to scale back on these emotional responses that you're seeing. I'm not going to say that they're going to disappear, but it's going to be less and there'll be less of a traumatic effect (laughs) moving forward. You know, Trauma is super real. It stays within people for decades, for mm-hmm. a lifetime, whatever it may be. So the more that you can work on this now, you're lessening that traumatic after effect. Right. That's really what I'm hoping that parents and families start doing is just, you know, pay attention to what the kids are doing, limit it, watch it, monitor it, you know, and yeah. Reach out to a mental health counselor, you know, a therapist, whoever it might be. Mm-hmm. I think that's the one positive, if I could say, that really came out of this is that parents are much more willing to say, I okay. just think my kid needs something right, right now. Right. Because <laughs> like, maybe some of these
0: things were happening prior, but now you're there right. witnessing it day mm-hmm. in, day out. Uh, when we first were quarantined and everything, maybe, yeah. maybe it made some people notice.
1: Definitely. I think it did. I really yeah. think it did. I think it was eye-opening. Yeah. Um. And now it's a matter of us. Like, we have to really move forward in the right step, the right direction,
2: just to yeah. help
1: kids. You know, yeah. they're going, we're going through a lot. I don- don't deny that, but they're going through more.
0: They more? are. More. Yeah. Definitely. Because mm-hmm. all the while they're still growing and these young minds, they're just so, you know, Yeah fragile. Yeah. Really. I mean, and it, it I, leads to who you will be and how you will oh, take to certain things. And it's, it's heavy.
1: I, I always use the middle school as an example, because the majority of the kids that I see, first of all, are middle school age, because that is just the worst time in everyone's life. I mean,
0: right. <laughs> it's That's middle when school is just apart.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> So I I always think, and when I'm talking to a parent, I say, imagine when you were in middle school Right. that now, in addition to everything else that's going on with your mind and your body and your friends, now you're also stuck inside you're scared of a virus that you can't see that you have no idea where this is and what's right. going to happen
0: when you're it's going to end
1: with your family like right. non-stop <laughs>
0: so, so it's just that in itself there's an
1: avalanche there right? right i go right put yourself in their shoes as bad as middle school was for you this yes. is so much worse
0: so and much it's worse. it's that way
1: for all of them all
0: of yeah them.
1: It it, it makes me sad. Uh,
0: But again,
1: but the positive part of me makes me happy because people are getting
0: help. Like they're really pushing
1: that their kids talk to someone, Mm -hmm. that they do something and that's wonderful.
0: Right. So when, uh, this, when COVID first happened and we were quarantined and you Mm -hmm. couldn't be open, were you doing the tele visits?
1: I was, um, I will say I don't love telehealth.
0: Of course. It's definitely
1: not my favorite thing to do Yeah. as an art therapist, Mm -hmm. that part of me, it's a very big struggle because you want to be watching the art making. You want to be seeing what they're doing. Um, there's a connection that happens through that artwork and it's very hard to get that through a computer screen. Yeah. When I'm doing talk therapy, like, especially with a lot of the older kids that I'm seeing, it's
0: okay. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, it's
1: fine. You know, they can definitely sit there and talk to me for a half an hour, 45 minutes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Little younger kids. No, that, yeah. is, right. <laughs> that exactly. is not ideal.
0: Right. Right.
1: I was, I would say for at least the first three weeks of doing telehealth calls, I was getting tours of people's houses. This is my closet. Like here's my window. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and I back
0: to business, of, kid. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I had um I had a lot of parents who they were very funny. I said to them many of them. Yeah. I feel like your child might be a little young. Like, I don't know if this is really benefiting them in the way that our therapy sessions were. Are you sure you don't want to hold off? And so many of them were just like, this is at least something that they get to do (laughs) that switches up their day.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow. We're really in that place. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) Like you're willing to pay for a therapy session right. so that I could just get like a tour of your house. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. That's All right. What whatever.
1: <laughs> okay. Great. But I mean, I was very happy to not do telehealth. I still do. Um, There's definitely a, a few people that are still more comfortable keeping it on telehealth. Yeah. They are older. Yeah. Um, some of them like middle school, some of them high school, college, but it's much better when I'm working with that younger age to be of with course. them in that moment, present, in hands the on. I, yeah. Yeah. I would, I refuse to see anybody younger than six on telehealth. I, yeah. I mean, some parents asked me and I was like, that will just be an absolute waste. Of time.
0: <laughs> yes. For you everyone. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not <laughs> happening. Yeah.
1: You know, but yeah. Do what you can.
0: So, um, you know, in therapy, you have all of this weight coming at you, coming your way onto you. What do you do for yourself to kind of release some of that energy and, and kind of, you know, break free from it?
1: I, um, I have a lot of self-care that I love to do. So I do my own art. Right. The first thing I will mention, um, I typically try to do some art at least once a week. And if it's just mindless, just doodling, scribbling, playing with materials really calms me down. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to go running a few times a week, which Mm -hmm. is also very helpful run with my music on, which is just nice and relaxing. Believe it or not, I really enjoy playing with my own kids.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) When Um, all is said and done, right? I do.
1: I really, they take my mind off of everything. The different projects that I'm doing, like I said, uh, working on my book, like I dive into that and I'm just in another dimension and I really zone out, which is a lovely thing. Yeah. Um, And and I like to do date nights with my husband, you know, like we get out. I will say like, we just recently agreed we're done doing date nights only because of the numbers the kind of numbers, yeah. creeping up again, but we'll probably still do, you know, like little movie nights in mm-hmm. the house and things like that. We're, we're just chilling and being with each other unwinding, not yeah. worrying about anything. Yeah, good, exactly. Good. I mean, if I had my way, I would definitely be getting massages every other week. <laughs> Because that's a wonderful release. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I can't do that right now. Yeah. And I also like to, I like traveling. I like going places. Can't Mm -hmm. really do that right now. Yeah. So it's It's soon enough. We're doing what we can. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely enough. Um, I will, I will say I'm thankful that I never feel overstressed or overworked in what I do. And I'm one of those oddballs that just loves what they do yeah so when I go to work I'm not you know moaning and groaning and dreading being in my office yeah you really is, love it this is what I do that's yeah. the
0: best thing you could ever ask for I feel like right as a it professional it it's is. like if you love what you do you, you really no can't ask thing. yeah you can't ask for more are no, there ever I, any time says, Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go
1: ahead. Uh, I, I was just to say my husband says all the time how he's jealous of me. Yeah. I, I'm in a career where I absolutely love what I do. And he's yeah. like, that is unheard of. Yeah, you know? people I,
0: are envious of that. <laughs> and I, and I don't get it. Like for me,
1: it's just like, no, this is it. Like I picked this. This is what I this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Meant, <laughs> you know? meant
0: to be doing. Yeah. yeah are great. there times where you can't shake certain things?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, there I would actually say, well, they still happen. I call them my Malamar days because mm-hmm. I usually love to polish off some Malamars when I, <laughs> when, I, yeah, when yeah. I have a day like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, um, when I was working in the hospital system, those mm-hmm. used to happen way too often. And sure. I will say burnout working mm-hmm. in a children's hospital is insane. It's mm-hmm. very intense.
0: Yeah. So you
1: would see a lot of horrible cases and a horrible things that would come your way. And it was, it was devastating.
0: Yeah. I can only then, imagine.
1: Um, now working in my private practice, I definitely still do come across things. You know, I'm at the level where I'm seeing kids in an outpatient level. So I'm seeing them when they are doing well enough where they can handle, you know, being outside of a program, being on their own which is already a great
0: thing. Right, right. But you
1: still hear background stories whether it's um abuse of any particular kind right. or again going through really difficult diagnoses, suicide mm-hmm. attempts. There are a lot of things that when you hear about them, they shake you. They shake sure. you
0: up. Yeah.
1: So I definitely allow myself to feel whatever it is that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a therapist where if you cry, I cry. Like there's yeah. no, I can't control this.
0: Yeah. You're also <laughs> and, an artist. So it's, right, exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. So my empathy is just kind of pours out. Yeah. It, it pours out. Yeah. And I don't feel bad about it and I don't apologize for it. Yeah. So when I cry with someone or when that happens, it's real, it's real and it's raw. And most people understand like, yeah, my story gives off this type of energy and people feel for me. Yeah. But we create it in a room or in an environment where it's okay.
0: Like we
1: take that emotion and we put it somewhere else. If I go home with it, you know, I, I have my family Mm
0: -hmm. that they can
1: distract me and I can cry to them and I can eat my malamars and I can, I can be okay. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's definitely a lot to handle at times. Like Mm -hmm. I think all therapists love to say, you know, it's a difficult job, but it's very rewarding. And that's very true. Yeah. Some days are more difficult. Some days are more rewarding.
0: Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. And I, I'm sure being that you have the art component Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just such a beautiful, that's why I've been stalking it for so long. It's just, to me, it just made perfect sense mm-hmm. to, to know, incorporate definitely. that. So uh, yeah. the, the children that come to you are, do a lot of them have like an interest in art or?
1: I would say majority of them do.
0: Um, I always
1: try to preface, like when I meet with people, when I'm doing the consult, you don't have to have any artistic
0: talent. Background, right, right.
1: You don't have to have anything. It's the creative process, obviously. It's the way that it works that kind of does the unraveling and the communicating Mm. for a person, no matter who that person is. Um, but I will say it's always a good thing when someone comes in and they're like, I love drawing or I love painting, or because it creates a little bit more of a fire within them to yeah. want to do this and right. to want to get going with it. Um, there are other creative arts therapists that are music therapists and movement mm-hmm. therapists, dance therapists, drama therapists. Right. So sometimes I might even meet someone and I do like to incorporate some drama, um, some music, some movement, I would never call myself any of those very specific specialties. Right. And if I have somebody that comes in and I'm like, Hmm, I really think you need to be seeing a drama therapist. You know, I yeah. will push them in that direction
0: That's so because cool. when
1: awesome. you, when you have that in you, mm-hmm. you know, you want someone who can really help pull it out.
0: Right. Right.
1: So for me, it is a wonderful benefit when somebody comes in and is like, I love doing art. I have some phenomenal artists, clients. Yeah. um, That sometimes they create things and my mind is blown. I'm like, this is just unbelievable. And I have even really young little kids who, when they come in, I'll show a parent a drawing and they're like, they drew this.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. They did. You know, like they're really good. They're really talented. yeah. 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 So it's nice to even see it on that end too. But, you know, when you're, three, four, five, six, seven, I would say even upwards into like 10. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks they're an artist in the yes. best way, in yes. like a great way. Yes. You know, you're not 10 going like, oh, I can't draw. You're like, yeah, I love drawing. Like, right. Watch me do this. There's no
0: doubt. You don't <laughs> doubt yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Just that's definitely. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's when you it's when you get into the older kids that that's when they're like, oh, but I, I can only draw a stick figure. I'm like, I don't care if you can draw a stick figure. That's fine, you know?
0: That damn middle, middle school. It's everyone up. It really does. It just
1: kills our self-esteem. And then we have to build it all back up yep. again.
0: Work hard to build it up.
1: It's horrible.
0: <laughs> I have to ask you, being a therapist, when you are at a wedding, let's say... And someone finds out that you are a therapist, how does the conversation go? Do they are they spilling their guts to you?
1: So it's <laughs> it's actually very ironic. When people find out I'm an art therapist, I'm gonna yeah. go there first. Right, right. They kind of throw back at me their humor, I guess, mm-hmm. slash defense mechanism, and they're like, like, oh, so if I draw a picture, you can tell me if I'm crazy. Uh, and see, like, it's, right. it's literally like the first thing that people say. say. Right, right. So I, of course, have to kind of talk them down from this comedic session. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it doesn't really work that way. And then yeah. when I really start throwing out more of my technical terms and they understand like I am a real therapist, like yeah. it's a real thing then they get really worried about me like psychoanalyzing. Yeah. So, yeah. so like you're, you're just going to like pick apart everything that I'm doing right now.
0: Um, yeah. so
1: it's really more, I think, fear based <laughs> than oh, can you help me with this problem. <laughs> right. It's, right. It's like, Wait, I don't, don't want to talk to her. Yeah. She's they don't want you to see them. <laughs> right. Them. That's, that's pretty much it. Um,
2: that's sometimes
1: funny. I will say if I'm in, I don't know, like a random place, I can't, Think of an example, but there will be some people who'll be like, "Oh, you're a therapist." Like I've always been meaning to ask, and then all these different kind of questions come out, which I'm always happy. To you're answer. up for right? Um, yes, exactly. I mean that's fine. I have on my car like a magnet that has like my Paint the Stars Art yeah. Therapy logo, and people will stop me in parking lots. What's art therapy? And I will entertain you for as yeah. long as you want to stay there and learn about what it is that I do. Because you, you love person, it, you're going to get an answer. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly, exactly. So That's some people amazing. are like probably thinking, "I wish I didn't say."
0: <laughs> Five <laughs> minutes later, they're like, uh. "Here we are."
1: <laughs>
0: That's <laughs> yes, great. Exactly. That is great. <laughs> well, Robin, before we go, I just want to play a quick game with you. It's called okay. Fast Forward Through Your Emotions, Your Feelings. Um, so I'm going to say okay. a word or a feeling, and you tell me the first okay. thing that comes to mind.
1: Oh, it's like word association. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, I have so to try to out my brain. That's hard to do. Okay.
0: <laughs> Chaos. Chaos. Uh, COVID. Canvas.
1: Canvas. It's first thing. Blank and colorful. I have the two at the same time.
0: Love it. Dream.
1: Every night. Shape. Circle. Fear. The dark. Beauty. The nature. Everything around us.
0: Mm Passion. Passion.
1: My dreams, my career, my f- family. Rage. Right now, election <laughs> week.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I was thinking to myself, God I'm like, are, are we going to find out up. together right now? <laughs> Dude, I My phone is sitting right here. I'm like, if an
1: alert comes in, she's going to think I'm crazy when I start losing my mind.
0: But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree, girl. Um, anxiety, <laughs> same thing.
1: <laughs> Very real and same thing.
0: Yeah. Imagination.
1: Use every day. My kids love their imagination.
0: Habit what was that one? Habit.
1: Habit. Good and bad. (laughs)
0: Proud. Of myself. And you should be Robin. You are amazing. And what you do for others is incredible. Really.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so I much. I you. have,
1: I have a lot of moments where I feel grown. Thank you. I think that this is awesome that you do this and I can't wait to see more.
0: Thank you so much. I hope maybe
1: we can connect. One day. We'll get like a cup of coffee somewhere in. I'd Maddlery. love
0: to. I'd love yeah. to do that. So tell, <laughs> before we go, tell everyone where they can find you, you know, okay. and when, when's your book? What What's happening there? The
1: book is in I would call it the later stages but I am over ambitious and I'm planning on doing the illustrations myself so I don't see it being done super soon
0: yeah but I'm you. hoping
1: um maybe by next year I don't know that's like a. It's I don't know, we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it though. Very excited.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and then, as far as Paint the Stores Art Therapy, we are, as you know, we're all over social media. So yeah. we're on um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, just search for Paint the Stars Art Therapy. You can email us at PTS Therapy at Gmail. And then, of course, my website has tons of information, which is www.paintthestarsarttherapy.com. But I also have um, PTSAT.info if you want the shorter version. I know it's <laughs> long. And can those we- are all the best ways to reach us.
0: And can we see your art somewhere else, like your personal art, or do you yes, display um,
1: it? I don't actually display it. I sometimes, I think on my Paint the Stars Instagram, I think I have shown something.
0: Here and there. Okay. Here
1: and there. Um, yeah. I don't usually showcase it too much on Paint the Stars, come to think of it.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe we'll be seeing it in that book of yours too. So
1: That's also true. Yeah. I mean, like my, on um, my personal Facebook page and things like that, I definitely show a lot of artwork on there.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Robin, for spending the evening with me here.
1: Thank you. This was awesome. I, I had my cozy blanket here. I was in yep. good-,
0: <laughs> good. I'm glad you were comfy and cozy with me.
1: I was, yes. And thank you for, for all of your wonderful questions and for getting me into this. This was awesome. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I'll 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 be in touch. I'm perfect. a major, major fan. So Yes.
1: We'll just keep stopping each other's Instagram pages until we can meet up in a non-COVID COVID.
0: type of way. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. <laughs> On that Our, note, perfect. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're signing out. Thank you, Robin.
1: Thanks, Laura. Feel good.
0: You too. Bye-bye.